Hello and welcome to the Action Ears podcast from EA. I'm your host Tom and we've also got Ryan, Richard, Martin, Dan. And we've also kidnapped two members of Bioware to come and chat with us. So we've got Chris Priestley and Jessica Merrison on the podcast. They are Global Community Manager and Global Community Specialist over at Bioware. Thanks for having us. Welcome along. So we're going to come to you in a minute, but we've got a few things we want to talk about first. First of all, we've got Medal of Honor Warfighter, which we all saw today and managed to play quite a lot of in the community lounge. What was everyone's Some of us may have won a t-shirt. Well, possibly, yeah. yeah. Some of us may have dominated the field. <coughs> more, so, more so rich than myself. Oh, I bless you. I, I was having problems because the key bindings on the Xbox controller were wrong. It was left bumper to, so to go to the iron side instead of left trigger. Look, 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 I couldn't have won without someone to carry my ammo. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Brilliant. That's what Martin happened to yeah. be there. We won the first round when you didn't know what you were doing. Yeah, and that was rubbish. I thought we were doing really well. Thing. The mode we were the playing was the home run mode, which was... Yep. It pitted five people on one team against five people on the other, um, and it's kind of like a capture the flag mode. Yeah, there's a home point. I think it flags. was six people on each team because it was, was a three fire teams of two, wasn't oh, it? Oh, I see corrected. Edit that because there's no break <laughs> to come to him anyway. But no, yeah, sorry, yeah. So, yeah, so basically, you had uh, a home point and you had two flags. And what I found interesting was that basically, you have to go get one of either flag, bring it back to your base without dying, or eliminate the entire of the other team and you win. But we found it interesting that B was closer than A. Uh, like they weren't equidistant like they sometimes mm, yeah. are in these kind of games although it was a kind of thing of strategy that it was a hell of a lot more dangerous down the short route than mm. it was down the long route it was quite a well designed map for that I think. it was it, yeah it, it, really it reminded well me of older game modes that we used to see in things like Unreal Tournament where mm. it was classic sort of capture the flag and get it back to your base but only one base and taking turns defending and attacking it was yeah and it was it was one uh, relatively straightforward but slightly exposed route and one much more protected but slightly more intricate route, so you kind of had a choice to make and it would sometimes move between the two with the momentum of the match as well. I did like that for the chosen characters, instead of choosing a class, although each one was an individual class and there was quite a few, I think it was six or eight to choose from, everyone was a different special, from a different member of special forces from a different country. And they're also the most arrogant soldiers I've ever seen in my whole life. Okay, well, yeah. I, I have a question about that. I'm working for Bioware, you know, everybody thinks you play role-playing games all day. <laughs> we do, but I personally love shooters. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I'm looking forward to Medal of Honor. I love the first game, and Warfighter mm. looks really awesome. But is there a difference in the kits? Is, yeah. it, you know, is there a difference between the countries, or just you uh, know, the British are the arrogant bearded ones, and you know, the, the Canadians are simple? So like, in true. this mode, at least, every different country was a different class as well. Uh, and I think maybe they were playing to the specialization of each of the classes. They were very similar though. They're like one country was, was like a forward gunner was the name of the class, which wasn't all that different from the assault from say, the US. I think the forward gunner it was, was point French, man. wasn't he? Point, 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 point gunner was Swedish. But you also had differences like... He was the most attractive one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But if you changed within that class like a different nationality, then the guy would have a different gun. Like I played as the Australian one of that same class and he had a different gun. Yeah, the different Shall I, I, I clear this up for everybody? Because I know the actual answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is the actual answer yes? Uh, no. Oh. Yes. Or not. No, but so the situation is you're going to be able to, there's a very, there's a clear split between, you can play uh, one of the 12 special forces from 10 countries. I thought that would be, by the way, on that point, I thought it would be one from every country, but two from the US and two from the UK. No, actually three, three, three from the US. US. How arrogant of you, why should we get an extra one? Because we got, we invented We, we only need one, we only, look, why would you want more than one special forces? How special are they? Canada, We've got one, they're the SAS. Forces. 
Gotcha. You know the origin of the word stormtrooper? Canada. Oh, yeah, the, Canada, during the First World War, the Germans were so intimidated by the Canadian troops, they called them stormtroopers because they attacked like lightning. That's pretty oh. awesome, huh? Isn't it? Thank you. Canadian trivia. Oh, but they were also oh, unable spe- to hit their targets. The more you know. There might be something that we never strike twice in the same place. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so you, you get to play one of the 12 special forces from the 10 countries. So it's one from each of the uh, featured countries plus two extras from the US. Um, and you then pick one of six classes. And the classes all apply to every country. So it's how who you're representing. You then choose which nation of the UN nations you're going to represent, of which there's, I think, 194, or there could be 196. So you can be an So you, in essence, you choose, you choose a costume, you choose an outfit, you choose a set of skills and equipment, and these two things are separate, and then thirdly, you choose a flag to fight for, which will contribute points to your country in a global fight, and it will, they'll be adding up the scores from all the Do countries and ranking them. That's the case in the mode we played, because it was very no, specifically one country we, we, we played a demo. Yes, okay. Um, and I believe that demo was locked so that uh, each class had also been assigned to one specific set country for the purposes that not everybody turned out as a Navy SEAL or you'd get the variety so of the, six of the different outfits. And they'd just given us a country. And they've chosen basically arbitrarily a special force to Although I think the country does dictate your arrogant saying when you select your class. So when you select your class, you're choosing from a, a line of people and then they say something arrogant for you. Like, which did, did you choose? Yes, yeah, so that's the country, wasn't it? Yeah. Did he say that? Did you did you choose an American character? Uh, being a staunch nationalist, I chose the guy that had the most armor. Okay. I, can't, I can't remember which country he was from. He needs sorry. to make a confession about this though, because I yeah. said, how do you keep surviving? He goes, well, if you uh, if you choose the demo man and then press C, you get a massive shield. In, in this mode, you pretty much can't die. <laughs> so that's how I that's how I got better towards the end. That was the secret. War, war, the war of intelligence is the modern war, and I died like an idiot. I seem to be a sniper all the time. It seemed not. You have troubles selecting classes. Yeah, well, my problem I had was the uh, you know with the scope. It's not a hold it to go into iron sight. It's a click on and off. Mm. And sometimes when you sprint in and you might accidentally catch the iron sight. As soon as you crash down next to a wall to take cover, it suddenly puts you in iron sight and it throws you off guard completely. I think your controls may have been messed up because my iron sight was not click to. I just had a really bad control. I just had a really bad. I don't want to say anything about workmen and tools, but (laughs) (laughs) we should probably move on quick. That's how the game plays. What did we think about it generally? It was good and quick. A bit like Crisis Hunter mode, I'd say. Except Mm. I was good at Crisis Hunter mode. I was not. So different style of game. I mean, first of all, I got the flag because I'd figured out the game mode early. Got the flag, got it back, and I thought, right, this is my game. And then I just died immediately every time I saw a person. For the next nine rounds, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was kind of interesting as well how some in some other shooters, when you get the flag, you'll be put at a disadvantage for a little while. So either your speed will slow down, mm. uh, you might not be able to fire a weapon, stuff mm. like that. But in this, it seems like you can pretty much sprint there, grab mm. the flag, sprint back. I think the idea is that it was an odd game setup because it was sort of a fantasy sort of training exercise, wasn't it? Because it was the two special forces against each other, but not in really an adversarial way. It was a, it, it was played out as a training exercise. Although you, that was you one of my favourite bits. Yeah, that was good. So at the end, at the end of the round, when you switch sides. Um, they walk past each other and they, the two teams acknowledged each other as well. So whichever characters you've been playing in the round immediately preceding the changeover, like they Rich walk past and sort of doff their cap to each yeah, other. Yeah, but they all walk very arrogantly, like Rich points oh, out. I've never seen so, like, so yeah, much swagger so, in my yeah, life. Yeah, swagger everywhere. Shrimping testosterone. Yeah. 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 Some top military strutting. Also, going the, on the, the top player on the scoreboard, the swim of the scoreboard is displayed in the round, the top player is walking behind the scoreboard, it looking 
extremely smug with himself. It's yeah. Yep. Plenty of plenty, plenty of screen time for whoever that is happens to be. So first could be anyone. I wonder. Um, no, but yeah, and um, I think I think the thing that I really impressed me about it was it was. Um, a very, very small level, so you're getting action all the time. The rounds turned over really, really quick, so if you get shot up in one round, that's fine. You're going to have another round really, really soon as well. And even despite that um, small size, there was a lot of tactical options and a lot of ways you could play. You could go defensive or offensive, or you could sneak around, or you could go guns guns. A lot blazing. of people tend to be going around the outside yeah. route that nobody was going, and they would wait at your home point, so they'll happily let you go get the flag. But when you come to score it, they're going to get you to come around the corner. Yeah. And a lot of people did that. They were camping yeah. behind cars, waiting for you just to walk around. It's not camping, it's tactical waiting. Well, <laughs> tactical yeah. waiting. I didn't think, um, I didn't, maybe I missed this, but um, when you had the flag and you were shot, you dropped the flag where you were. Yeah. I don't think you could return the flag if you found your you flag. Could. You could return it. You had to yeah. walk up and pick it up as if you were picking it up and then it would return it. would just quite right So yes, you did. You can do that. Because I was thinking that was... But I don't think any of us, we played, what, 20 rounds at least? And I don't think any of us... Because as soon as everyone's killed on the opposing team, the round resets. Yes. And it always seemed to be very cleverly structured so that, say, at least 80% of the time, the flag carry was the last man standing. So everybody <laughs> would be... You'd be cat and mousing to try and get to the home plate, as it were. And, uh, and uh, you'll either get, make, the, make it there or get taken out as a lost man. Hi, I'm Sharif Fatu. I'm a producer at Visceral Games, and I'm working on Dead Space 3 at the moment. You're listening to the Action Ears podcast. Well, so now it's time to come on to our friends from Bioware. Well, we were kidnapped <laughs> with promises of Muffuccinos. <laughs> oh, Muffuccino. Um, so, Chris and Jess, could you explain a little bit about what you do as global community overlords. We cry a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, uh, we actually, we have uh, pretty amazing jobs actually. Yeah, we have among the best jobs at Bioware because, you know, uh, not having to directly create the game, we get to play the games mm. as they're being made. So for us, there's always a level of surprise and what it's, comes next. Especially when like Shepard's eyes pop out. Yeah. That was, <laughs> when the level's not quite done and you're just like, oh, wow. <laughs> no the one problem else of playing that. games as they're being created is, of course, they're not nearly to the quality when they reach the public. So, you know, you often will discover things like, um, yeah, say uh, quality assurance. Yes. yes. <laughs> Have you noticed that when you turn the, co uh, turn the corner, for example, your eyes pop out of your head and precede you by three feet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's Brilliant. a known issue. Keep playing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we get to uh, go to a events, we talk to fans, we uh, uh, schmooze with fan sites and, and get to know who our fans are. We um, we go on Facebook, on Twitter, on the forums. If you ever want to insult a community person, call them a Twitter monkey and uh, you will see how long you stay conscious. <laughs> but it's pretty much what we do and uh, we, you know, we're, we're just working to, to change the landscape of, of what it means to be a community on the internet because we, I think we're at a point now where most people can't imagine their lives without the internet and, and it's our job to kind of navigate that space and, and kind of hold everyone's hand and guide them through the, the scariness that is talking to other people who yeah. like the same thing they like. Well, we can go one better than that. We've got guys in the room who probably can't remember a time before the internet at all, can you? Yeah. I was about seven when we got the internet. <laughs> yeah, I, I very, very vividly remember the whole... Yeah, all that sort of stuff. Fond memories. Yeah. I remember thinking it would never take off. <laughs> <laughs> like TV, the automobile. 
So it must be quite an easy job with the quality that Bioware consistently put out to be able to talk to the community. Do you find that there are difficult people to talk to and how do you handle trolls, for example? No, everyone is wonderful all the time. <laughs> it is the internet and everyone agrees. <laughs> uh, well, we have our share. I mean, I think everybody does, you know, no matter the quality of something, how you know, good it is, somebody will not like it. Uh, you know, I have a friend who, for whatever reason, does not like World War II at all. So it doesn't matter Wait, how... who likes World War II? Well, like, in terms of like being World War II? II. That's <laughs> Generally, the Allies are quite for it. I love, <laughs> love to work in World War II. But it great. doesn't matter if it's a video game or a movie. It can win yeah. Oscars and everything. It doesn't matter. It's a, No, it's off. Like, I couldn't mm-hmm. care less. And that happens with our games as well. It may, you know, 10,000 people may like it, but you don't. And that's fine. You know, we, we understand that. It's, you know, part of creating a game. Not everything is going to appeal to everyone 100% of the time. Do you find with your jobs that quite often the feedback that you get is skewed towards negativity? I actually do think that that's something that um, offline you'll see people who love something and they'll sit around and, like, talk to all their friends about it. They'll, like, loan their copies out. Mm. They'll, they'll uh, you know, have parties where everyone sits and watches them play and feel very, very uh, jealous of <laughs> their awesomeness. <laughs> but on the internet, you have people who, you know, they're not on the internet because they're having fun playing their game. Yeah. Then you go on the internet and you're like, well, there's nothing to do because I can't play my game because I hate it so much. <laughs> so I obviously have to go on a forum or on Twitter or on Facebook and, mm. and just be very noisy about it. And it, you know, I... I think it's important that those people do feel valid in their concerns and and that they do have a voice mm. but it's also so important not to just say oh okay well this is what we're hearing so this must be what everyone's feeling yeah. mm. um it, it is it's 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 so much easier and it's it's healthier to enjoy something and move on to the mm. next thing whereas mm. you know dwelling in something whether it's it's positive or negative it's pretty obsessive. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, you know it is sort of human nature to be louder about your complaints. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you've eaten a good meal at a restaurant, mm. maybe you'll tell somebody. Mm. If they ask you, should I go eat there? Oh, yeah, I had a great time. Mm. But if you go out and eat there and it's bad, you'll tell people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you'll say, don't go there, it's yeah. bad. So that's kind of nature. But just because they may not like it doesn't mean they shouldn't be listened to. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's very important. You know, I mean, here's, you know, good, here's a good example. Like, how many times have you ordered a pizza and, the, and they're like 45 minutes? Mm. And then it's like an hour and 20 minutes later, and you're like calling the manager and you're like <laughs> trying to finagle your way into getting like a 20% off coupon and a free pizza <laughs> next delivery. How many times the pizza arrives in like 20 minutes? You call up the manager and you're like, no. Good give job. Your, give yourself a pat on the back, <laughs> mister. <laughs> yeah, never, never. You never do that. You only call when, when you've got yeah, a complaint. When you get what you want, you get on with doing yeah. 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 for it. But, but as we said, just because you know you didn't like it doesn't mean we're not listening. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's very important to Bioware, to us as community, that uh, the people that don't like, for whatever reason, whether it is crazy and completely insane why they don't like it or it is valid whether we didn't develop it correct whether we didn't message it as it was being developed to what they expected anything like that 
it is important that we listen to that feedback so that the next time we make a game or we talk about a game or whatever it is, we can do it correctly. Yeah, I think that's the only thing that we ask is that if you're going if you're going to be negative about something, be constructive in it. Mm. It's like Chris could look at me and say, Jessica, I think you're the ugliest person in the whole world. Mm. Get Which out of I my, don't. Get out, of, get out of my sight. I heard that on Tuesday. <laughs> and he could walk away and I'd be like, great, well, mm. I guess I should just die now. But Chris, Chris walks up to me and he's like, Jessica, you know, you really should pluck your eyebrows and uh, your bangs are a bit too long. We've got a UK audience, that's fringe. Fringe. Sorry. This is an international experience. Your fringe is too long and uh, you look like you haven't slept in five days. Then I would have something to improve. I've had people send us letters or posts on forums or whatever that are long and complex and they may be totally against how we have designed the game. But it's passionate, mm. and it's because that's what the person feels. Yeah. And I don't like it because this, that, the other. Mm. I was playing this game, they did it better. I would like to remember that movie, they did it this mm. way. You know, mm. Here's an idea for you, why don't you try? Those are great, because those we take, all the messaging that we get, we take to our development teams. Mm. And we pass on the messages that come to us. So when we can say they don't like it, Mm. That doesn't help. <laughs> we could say they didn't like it because they were expecting this and they would rather see that is the sort of thing that the, the development teams can look at and go, ah, mm. now we have something to work with. Yeah. And I mean, it's not everyone's fault. Like, I think I think that are, you know, to go on a tangent, I think that people haven't been taught how to properly articulate themselves. Like something happened in like primary school where, you know, teachers were so busy teaching everyone maths that they just forgot about like common decency and learning how to like articulate your thoughts, use your words. So, you know, that's actually part of our job is, is to help these people who've gone their whole lives without having to explain why they love something or don't like something and, and say, okay, well, I understand you're full of feels. But mm. let's let's like get behind the oh my gosh we're psychiatrists <laughs> <laughs> we should get paid way more. I'm gonna hang a shingle. You need a you need a Bioware community couch that people can <laughs> sit down on and you can tell me your problems. Yeah. That's our yeah. next booth. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever think that the negativity about certain games can be somewhat infectious or well, it's obvious I'm going to talk about Mass Effect Three, but the ending of Mass Effect Three. And some of us would have probably experienced the same thing as this. Uh, in the positions we're in, sometimes we'll have a game and play it and review it pre-release, mm -hmm. so that we have no outside influence on our thoughts about that game. Mm -hmm. And that happened with Mass Effect Three for me, where I played, finished the game, and then storm rose of people complaining. Do you ever think that maybe that it was just a couple of people and everyone decided that that was a problem? No. Not, not in this case. Not I mean, there, it was so. it was too large to just be a few people causing problems sure. that people wrote. There, we do have that all the you know all yes. the time where where we look at something and we say, okay, well, you know, that's actually like X number of people out of a total, so we should make those people feel loved and supported, and we mm. should walk them through mm. how they're feeling. But ultimately, like we're still like we're not going to do anything about that because you know that's that doesn't make sense. But for us, for uh, Mass Effect 3, we looked at that and we said, okay, well, we're getting a lot of different feedback. A lot of people had uh, um, comments for various different reasons. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't just like one one thing. If it had been, that would probably have been like a really easy like blog post about why mm -hmm. we did that and then everyone would have been fine. But 
there were lots of different things. And so uh, we worked really closely with the team and, and we gave them um, like pages of Excel sheets and spreadsheets and uh, pie charts and, uh, you know, letters and, and poems and things like that. And, uh, you know, we, we talked to them and we said, here's like the various things. Here's what we think are, you know, if we had to boil this down to a few key issues, here's what we think. And it is because we deal with so many um, different issues with all of our Bioware games that it, it's much easier for us to pick up on something early on and, you know, like a, a wave of emotion that, that we can start anticipating it before it's even becoming an issue so that yeah. by the time it is an issue, we're working on a fix and we can... You know, turn something around relatively quickly, which I think we did actually. Yeah, for like the, yeah, and all back. credit to the Mass Effect team oh, because yeah, they worked sure. uh, when we realized what was happening with the ending of Mass Effect Three. And while there were, it, it's easy to say nobody liked the ending of Mass Effect Three, and that's wrong because a large amount of people did. Rich wrote an article for the NewReview.com where he. My feeling was firstly that um, I really loved the ending. Anyway, I'm not going to do any spoilers, but. Um, I, th I thought it was excellent, and one of the reasons I thought it was excellent is that it wasn't the same as the other previous endings. So you were getting a different ending experience. So you, I kind of came in think psychologically prepared, okay, this is going to be kind of like Mass, Mass Effect 2 plus extra stuff, oh, great. And then the impact it had on me was much larger because that's not what I got. So from my point of view, I liked it because it, was, it wasn't what I was expecting. And my impression, I have to say, was that people didn't like it because they didn't get what they wanted or were, they didn't get what they were expecting. What's happened since builds on and improves on it, perhaps, you could say, and I can understand that. But I didn't really think there was anything wrong with the first one. I think the, the response of the fans, and you'll know this for sure, I'm sure you'll but um, when something like that happens and it was a storm of extraordinary proportions the response you have to surely take from that that people were so upset because they were so invested mm -hmm. in yes, their universe I mean, well, that's, yeah I mean ultimately like we we always remember that that, that we're, we're really fortunate that in the good you know the, mm. the best of kind of bliss in our community we have fan art we get cosplay we get fan fiction poetry um, and you know we're all like little plushies adorable but you know those same people are the first people who are going to defend us when Fox News says something yeah. that is you know completely out of line but they're also the, well, the people Fox who... News we're talking about so completely untrue yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no spin zone anyway so but those are the same people that mm. because they're so invested they do take it very personally and mm. I think it's easy to do with a Bioware game where it's a it's a character based story where you're literally uh, you know, romantically involved with some of mm. these characters that, mm. you know, you go back into your real world and you're like, why isn't my my uh, boyfriend or girlfriend as awesome as Talia Garris? <laughs> I, re I referred to it to up. the dev team uh, when it broke as the Oscar Wilde uh, because it's better to be talked about than to not be talked yeah, about. Yeah. And the worst thing that could happen to us as community managers is Bioware releases a game and everybody goes, hey, thanks. Yeah, and then, yes, and silence, then that's yeah, it. dead yeah. silence afterwards. It would have been wonderful if everybody had loved the ending mm -hmm. of Mass Effect 3 as it was out of the box. But as we said, when it didn't happen, you know, we, we took all the feedback. And you were right. Part of it was they were expecting something that wasn't there mm. for whatever reason. 
And, but there were other people that wanted completely different endings. Mm. There were people that were, conf- mm. they liked the ending, but they were confused. I had people send me messages or letters saying, I didn't realize I didn't like the game until I read it on the internet. <laughs> uh, you know, no. things like that, that they were just confused. Mm. And the development team worked really hard and they said, okay, we are never going to be able to please the people that want a hundred different endings yeah, to Mass Effect. Sure. We're not going to be able to help mm. them. But those people that are just a little confused or want more information or just need clarity, yes, we can help those people. And the people who, you know, who had, and I, I think that through this game, um, it really did shape the way we see our own games that, that people, this isn't just a story about Commander Shepard. Um, you know, no Bioware game is just about the protagonist, whereas a lot of other games, you're, you're that character and everything else is kind of auxiliary. It doesn't, it doesn't matter as much. However, this game is not just about Commander Shepard. It's about Commander Shepard and um, Garrus and Tally and Liara and Miranda and all these people. And so for something to end and, and have, you know, only a, a resolution that, you know, was open enough that you could basically come up with the resolution you wanted, which we mm. still, I think, gave because mm. we didn't want to say, nope, you can't have blue babies or nope, your shepherd can't be PTSD shepherd who uh, is a total alcoholic. And, um, that's my shepherd. But, um, uh, Garris takes care of her. Anyway, but, you know, so so we did we did go back and say, okay, we don't just have to provide closure for Shepard, it's important that people get closure and resolution on a lot of mm. other aspects of this universe. Mm. And so providing clarity and providing resolution were the, the mm. two main key points that we thought that the extended cut could do. And, mm. and I think people were really happy with it. This moves us on sweetly to Leviathan, which is coming up soon. Yeah, really soon. August 28th, and I appreciate August 29th for the PS3 year. I appreciate if you talk about any kind of narrative points, you will both be taken out and shot. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what can you tell us about Leviathan? What can people expect from Leviathan when they can finally get their hands on it? Specifically, can we, at what point in your story does it take place? So, I think it would be interesting. If you load up your game, um, if if you finish your game, you'll um, the the game will automatically save what is a, a, a legacy save that you'll load in, and it'll come right before the Cerberus base where you go and you uh, uh, go talk to the elusive man or, or try to talk to the elusive man anyway. That can be any spoiler. So you'll have that legacy save, which um, is where you can uh, play the DLC anytime before going to the Cerberus base basically. So it's um, midway in the game. Um, it's it's a it's a really hearty uh, adventure. Um, we kind of compared it to like treating yourself to a nice evening out mm-hmm. um, on the town inside your house pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> but you know there's a lot of new uh, different levels. They took mm. a really a really great a- approach to kind of doing some investigations. Mm. You get to see some some new areas and, mm. and some yep. really new area cool, on the citadel that people are quite keen for. Yeah, it's mm. a cool new uh, kind of uh, world mm. that that you know will and be fun. All, to all your favorite characters, you know, if, if they're mm. with you in the game, you know, whether it's Garrus or mm. Javik or they'll whoever it might be, they'll have some influence in the game and story. Mm. All the VO actors came back, and mm. you know, they're all part of the new thing. And I think probably most importantly for the fans is, again, without any real spoilers, 
it gives, let's say, great clarity into the origin of the Reapers. Yeah, mm. that like spine tingling, like, mm. oh my gosh, you it are. It was the one of the questions fans were like, oh, okay, Mass Effect Three, it's going to clear up what the Reapers are, <laughs> and where they're going to be, and how they got here, and everything, and it didn't, and everybody was like, what? How can you leave that out? And, it's been, and we were like, hee hee hee. Because it's coming. And yeah. that's the Leviathan. In that way, it's similar to the DLC that was released. The name escapes me now. The the original. DLC or the collectors is DLC or the, I think it is. Oh, with, um, with Jarvik? Yes. The From there, his, his story essentially told you what? the origin of... The Prometheans. Yes, yeah. uh, the origin of how it got to be now, you know, mm. how, how this right. came to be, how this yeah. cycle came to start and how, how things happened. I think it's fair to say that it's very uh, important to the development team that if we're going to create DLC for single player, mm. you know, the story-based DLC, it has to have impact. It, we want our fans to you know buy it and play it and enjoy it, and as such, it has to be more than simple entertainment. Of oh, I got to shoot more Geth, it was great, or oh, you know, I got to kill more, you know, <laughs> whatever it might be. It has to have some story impact. It has to impact the lore, and it has to provide new or different clarity into the mm. game at some point. And Leviathan definitely does. You know, yeah. that's something that always struck me about Mass Effect, and I didn't realize it until I think about it after the after having played it all. Is how attached people get to their their characters. For instance, well, the two of you were talking there, and you listed off what was probably your primary team of characters. You didn't say uh, Legion or Morden, and in my mind, I was thinking that's a shame because they're my favourites. <laughs> and, and oh, I love Legion. Is one, Legion is one of my my favourites. I'm actually a big Miranda fan. Um, and I, I, you know, I keep mentioning Garrus. I actually don't really care for Tally that much. I think she's, I think she's kind of awful. I would just lock her up in a room if it was up to me. <laughs> That's because you're quite similar. <laughs> Take it back. <laughs> but no, I think, I think people really, that of all the recent games I can think of, there's not many that people have real serious, uh, a serious passion for and care really deeply about their characters and their and their friends that they made through that. I mean, I've, I've, I get quite upset when I think about Legion. Yesterday we spoke quite a lot about the Hunter mode and the, I forget the name of it, what was the other Crash mode? Crash Site. Crash Site mode in, in Crisis, that was the, the multiplayer. We got the chance to play a bit of the single player today and there are a couple of things that I want to bring up, but what did everyone think of the single player? So this was pre-alpha code. And the one thing that struck me immediately was how beautiful it looks already. I, I, I want to complain. It, it, it was so beautiful I kept getting shot whilst looking at it. So <laughs> they, they need to kind of have an option to dial it down and make it dull so that I don't get distracted. Yeah, exactly the same for me. I, the gameplay, because I've never played a Crisis game before until yesterday when we did the multiplayer. I know, slap on the wrist. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. I picked it up very quickly. I mean, I guess that's a really good thing is that I've never played the Crisis series before, yeah, the controls are very intuitive, I knew exactly what I had to be doing, uh, and everything from retrieving the arrows, which took a little while to, to sink in, but I think it was the same for Dan as well. No, I never, uh, I didn't know you could do that. You didn't know that, that's <laughs> it. Can I point out, yeah. they do have green flashing lights on the end of them, so you can see them wherever they land. Okay, but no, the point is, no carbon impact arrows, it said, right? And that implied to me that I had other arrows 
but that wasn't the case. Yeah. <laughs> let, let Tom explain this because he explained. I haven't had a chance to play the demo yet, and Tom explained this to me, and I thought this was an amazingly cool. Feature. This is the coolest thing ever. So you have a bow, and you have limited arrows, and um, there are. I I didn't realize, but there are ammo packs around that you can pick up. I didn't realize that at all. The way I got my arrows was by going up to the people that I had stealth killed with an arrow and pulling it out of them. Yeah, to put back I did in exactly my arsenal. I love that. That sounds yeah. awesome. It was absolutely brilliant. And there's a little on the on the end of the arrow, so the end that's not sticking into a person. Yeah. There, there is a, a green flashing light to let you know where it is. Mm. Um, and when, because this is pre-alpha, I imagine the bodies will stick around in the final game a little bit longer. But yeah, yeah. A few of them, dis the bodies disappear, so they can start to ro load more enemies. And the arrow stays. Mm. So the arrow's still there where the body was. Yeah, as well as the weapons that those uh, yeah. cell operatives were actually using as well, and, which is pretty sweet. And for once, everybody had a weapon, dropped the weapon, and you could pick up any weapon that had been dropped, whereas usually you get to pick up the weapon that someone the, chooses you to, that you can pick up. Yeah, or, or the weapon that they were last holding. And you yeah, the, the thing the thing I particularly like... <laughs> it's was, like an honour thing. Don't thing, look through their body. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't rifle through their pockets. You may have killed him mercilessly, yeah. but... But the, thing I, but the thing I liked about it is that it's clearly, I think it shows um, Crytek's commitment to environmental friendliness that your arrows are all recyclable. Because it would be, you know, it'd be a shame to just have bits of broken arrow everywhere, wouldn't it? That Absolutely. Just littering the landscape. Also to note that Prophet doesn't appear to have a quiver. No. So it, he has to go and get him. You can only have a very limited number of arrows because he's got to hold them all with his other hand. <laughs> I was terrible at the single player game. I tried it for like 30 minutes and... Every time I tried to stealth kill someone, I'd managed to isolate an enemy. I thought, yeah, this is good. I'm going to get him in the face with the arrow. I misjudged it slightly. It goes straight over his shoulder, and everyone knew where I was. Yeah. Yeah. It's me. Unforgiving. There's a button for killing someone with your bow manually. You can immediately bow, I think, Surely that would damage the bow. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So there was just a normal melee attack. I think it's a game. Rock, so I think you're probably right. <laughs> It's just a lack of realism. That's what I don't like about these crisis games. I mean, so they're not I can believe. I, I did, I did, damaging I, the bird. I, I did find myself thinking, um, and, and this, this level was set in a sort of dam complex of some description, nothing else mentioned to avoid spoilers, but I did keep thinking, this looks quite industrial. How, look how clean the water is, though, because it was beautifully crystal clear, yeah, wasn't it? All around, there was not a scent of... Good point. So, good yeah, point. it's... Uh, it, these no, comments are the sort of thing that make developers wince. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, in a nice way, you know. Beautiful. <laughs> One more thing I wanted to talk about before we wrapped up, because Jesse mentioned before the podcast that you're into cross-species mating. Uh, <laughs> just recreationally. Yeah. <laughs> just virtual. So Not this is the Series yet. 3 Supernatural that you were, you were saying you're excited about. I'm so excited and about you, it. You want to try and make a vampire mate with a werewolf. I thought about this on a cab right over here, and I decided that I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> I decided that it's I want to buy the Katy Perry. No, no, no. This is what I want to do. <laughs> I want to buy the Katy Perry expansion. Well, I already actually... Oh, God. I already own the Katy Perry expansion pack. <laughs> I, want to buy, I, I want to buy Supernatural. Um, and bring and Katy Perry with a werewolf. Katy Perry with a werewolf. I approve. So I can make her and Russell Brand get back together. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, that's true, that's true. I like that. I have, an, I have a mental image of a were-perry <laughs> singing her way across the countryside. She like little candy tassels. But no silver. Candy no silver. Perry. No. So does the, forgive my ignorance, does the Katy Perry expansion 
just that Katy Perry to... No, 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 actually, so it, it's, it's actually... Hello. So, so there's Katy Perry expansion. There's two Katy Perry expansion packs. Wow. One of them is like a stuff pack where it has like yeah. new outfits and for all, all the outfits are like cans. So there's like lollipop dresses and and uh, you get, you know, new props and costumes. And the other one is uh, Superstar with Katy Perry where, you know, your, your sim can be like a performer, a magician, a singer, a song, you know, so they, they use Katy Perry for that and now they're coming out with Supernatural which means you can be like a whimsical fairy or you could be a uh, sparkly vampire but I don't think the vampires sparkle so I actually <laughs> can endorse this. <laughs> this is going to be amazing. A genuine vampire. It's, it's, it's something worth looking up if you're interested in sparkly vampires. Or if you're interested in... Just that, can I just say that's a very niche market? No. no. It's not really sparkling vampires particularly. I don't like normal I vampires. Found this oh, out, I found this out this past week when I was at Geek Girl Con in Seattle. One of our cinematic designers, um, our, mm. one of our leads, uh, Sarah, um, she actually, before she worked at Bioware, she worked on uh, in the film industry, and she made... She, she made Edward Sparkle. Oh, oh God. And then she came to Bioware and made amazing Bioware. Bioware yeah. uh, Atonement. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, definitely yeah. an upgrade. There's something worth looking up on, I think it's on Wikipedia, I'm sure you'll find it, but um, it's a, a table of fantasy, I was going to say fantasy vampires, but they're... Unlike the real ones. <laughs> <laughs> they're not down there. It's vampires in, a, in the rows from different media and attributes of vampires, including powers and weaknesses across the top. And then a sort of reference point of which of which are affected by more, uh, which of the different uh, sort of tropes for a vampire. Because there's always the there's always the thing where someone is like, oh, but uh, you looked in the mirror, and they're like, oh, silly, that's, that's just the that's, yeah. just, that's just what we tell people. Yeah. Yeah. So and this when when you look at it, and if you can filter it, mother, and you look at Twilight vampires, and you can compare them to all the others, and, and realize how little like vampires they really are. But the Count from Sesame Street is on there, and he's very clearly more of a vampire than the <laughs> He suffers from, based on evidence from episodes, he suffers or has the same powers or more powers, makes him more of a vampire than Twilight. That is why the Count used to scare the crap out of him. <laughs> I think probably the only vampire that is less of a vampire than Edward is um, Count Dracula. Well, we, we don't have that. What? We have Count Duckula. Which is also... Seemingly, he's not a vampire. He's a vegetarian. You didn't have Count Duckula, did you? Oh, well. I he's grew a, up in Reading, so... Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Vegetarian yeah. vampire you need to, duck. You need to YouTube Count Duckula tonight. Well. Also, theme tuned from heaven. Sent yeah. from heaven, I think. Yeah, yeah, well, so and yeah, if yeah, you've been affected by any of the issues raised on this podcast... Then, then you're probably undead and listening to this at <laughs> night, right? Because you'd be head to Muffuccino.com. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a joke. He bought it last night when we got back to the hotel. It does exist. He, we, we sat there in the pub with our meals, you know, like pork knuckle or whatever it was. And he goes, right, so here's five options. How do you spell Muffuccino? <laughs> Going through each one. Then we got an email. I was edited at 2 a.m. It's like, hey, look at this. <laughs> and Ryan's like, really? You did that? <laughs> But yeah, sadly, sadly, that's true. This has been the muff. <laughs> <laughs> Only that could get past Dan. Oh, oh, damn it! You get to get some corporate. I'll be your business manager. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. We know. This has been the Action Ears podcast for day 
four we're up to now. Wow. All that's left to say is thank you very much to Chris and Jess for coming along. Thank you guys. Thank, thank you, you very much. much. Yeah, that's great. I so, think I can never be on another podcast. You <laughs> broke me. This is, I'll never be able to. We've ruined you for other podcasts. Yeah, there's, what other podcast has so much pastry humor? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I've been Tom Wallace. I've been Ryan. I'm always Richard. I'm Martin Edward. And I'm Dan. And come back tomorrow for another podcast. Where did Rich go? He went to get the muffin cheeto. <laughs> 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 he, actually, yeah. he actually went to get it.